Our scripture reading for today comes from the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews, verses 24 through 25. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The sharing of a common life is like to that above. Let us be in the spirit of prayer. Gracious God of love, in the still spaces of our lives, we inch forward to hear you whisper the word you have for us today. Be in the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts that those who are present here may be touched with your undying love. Amen. In September, the beginning of September, we started a sermon series entitled Tending the Soil, Tending the Soul. Using the metaphor of caring for the ground underneath our feet, we are tending the soil of our church, tending our mission, our shared leadership, and our purposeful engagement. We are also tending the health of our own souls the souls of our lives. Our church has been through so much growth and change. We've kept ourselves super busy just to get through. And so now we're writing ourselves some permission slips, some permission slips to rest and renew, and today to dig into that soil of our relationships with one another. Looking to the epistle, to the Hebrews, this letter was addressed to a group of Jewish Christians in the early century, the first century, and they were wondering if this whole Jesus movement was worth all the suffering. Christians were being persecuted. Christians were being killed. And so some of the converts, the new converts, decided, yeah, this is just too hard. And so they gave up and went back to Judaism. The author of the book of Hebrews is telling the people to just hold on. Hold on to the confession of hope. Hold on to the promises. Hold on to Jesus, who is trustworthy and reliable. And how do we hold on to these things? We stick together. We don't bail on each other. Gathering together for worship and fellowship is still a mark of being a Christian. Christianity is not a solo endeavor. In her book entitled, When Spiritual But Not Religious Is Not Enough, the author Lillian Daniel writes this, 
Being privately spiritual but not religious just doesn't interest me. There's nothing challenging about having deep thoughts all by oneself. What is interesting is doing this work in community where other people might actually call you on stuff or, heaven forbid, disagree with you. Where life with God gets rich and provocative is when you dig deeply into a tradition that you did not invent all for yourself. So yes, church is hard. Many of us in these pews understand that church is not a paradise. We cognitively get that, right? And yet when we find the right church for us, we naively believe that the people in the church will somehow be different. There's this expectation that we should do anything we possibly can to avoid hurt feelings. But that's not real. It's not even Christian. It's codependent. If we truly believe that our lives are enriched by the diversity of lives of others, we will unintendedly hurt each other's feelings. I've been thinking about, a lot about, why our feelings seem to get so much more hurt in a faith community. Perhaps it's because we all bring our own yearnings with us. Often these yearnings have not been met in other places like family or work, and so each of us is hoping that the church will be the place where we will finally find affirmation for our heart's desires. But again, the church is not a paradise. It's a community, a community in which we learn to let go of our failures and hurts. Through the challenges, we practice turning our will and our lives over to God as we understand God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a little book called Life Together, and he describes the church as being more than an association of people with a common purpose. The church is different because it puts Christ in the center of the community. This is an important difference because the Christian community is not a human ideal. Christian community is a divine reality. When the people of God come together to share our lives open and honestly, accepting each other with positive regard, there is this social, spiritual chemistry that emerges. We sense this deep belonging, yes, to one another, but to God through that communal experience together. And then God doesn't leave us on that hilltop. The reality is that the people that God has placed together are flawed human beings. And these flaws actually help us discover the redemption that only Christ can bring. Our life together is this daily awareness of how much we need to heal that God-shaped hole in our souls. Every single one of us here is carrying something. Even if we aren't aware of it or think that we've done all the work that we can do around it. Our wounds tend to resurface, don't they? They resurface every once in a while with new and deeper spiritual work to do. 
And if we can see each other in this light, the spaces around our defended hearts can soften. And we can see that our healing is actually bound up in each other's healing. The author of Hebrews knew how tempting it is to quit church. And so he gave his little community a pep talk. Provoke one another in love. Keep showing up for each other and encourage each other. Now, I realize that the word provoke is not like this sugary, sweet, hallmark card word associated with love. Provoke. It's got this gritty edge to it. It sounds like we're going to start a riot, a love riot. And so I looked up some of the synonyms, and I wondered, what would it look like to incite, arouse, ignite, stir up, aggravate, and challenge one another to love? Like, what if the church out there was in the business of provoking love? Cool, huh? And we are also told by Hebrews that we are not to neglect meeting together like we are right now, even though some people are missing. I realize that saying that we need to come together for worship and fellowship satisfies the pastor's ego, right? For a little bit of higher church attendance. But there is more to this second action than mere numbers of people in the pews. You see, we cannot practice loving one another if we are never in the same space. And we cannot practice self-love. We can't build that self-love in ourselves if we are never going through resilience, if we never stick around and learn how to endure and move through hard things. The church might be a place where our feelings get hurt, but without showing up, we cannot have the conversations that lend to our own healing around that. We'll just walk around with the hurt, Of course, sometimes people need to leave a church because of toxic theology or abuse or it's just not suiting our needs anymore. And I trust that. I trust the Holy Spirit to be with people in this place, but also to be with people in other places too. We let that go. But if staying away is out of resentment or fear or control, we need to pay attention. We need to stay engaged. We meet together regularly so that we can experience the healing and grace that we will miss if we do not show up. And finally, we are told to encourage one another. Now, this one's a hard one for me. It's been hard for me this week. So for some reason this week, I was having a really challenging time sitting in front of my computer and writing this sermon. I felt stuck and kind of bland and uninspired, and so I found a hundred amazing distractions. And finally, I had this bit of a breakdown with a friend, and she said, Heather, sweetie, you're procrastinating, which means that you will be writing this sermon on Saturday, when what you should be doing is spending time with your kids. Ouch. I hated hearing that, but she was right. 
It didn't sound like it at the time, but my friend was encouraging me. You see, encouraging one another is not just being a cheerleader for one another. It's deeper than that. When we care enough about someone, we boldly and honestly hold up the mirror for them. We need to be bold and gentle with one another. And I'm finding that being bold and being gentle are not mutually exclusive concepts. And so I question why we aren't honest with one, one another in church. Have we traded in the hallmark love for being nice? It, what is preventing us from loving each other enough to say, hey, friend, I'm noticing you're doing that thing, that one thing that makes you and everyone else miserable? There's a pastor in a church in Nashville. He's got a pretty wide following on social media. His name is Ray Orland, and he's been challenging his congregants to be bold and gentle with one another. And he even put out on Twitter, challenging the followers as well, to, quote, speak frankly and publicly with one another about our disagreements and even our disappointments. And do it with such tenderness and respect and gentleness that the world watching is astounded and left saying, wow, how they love one another. At the end of the day, each of us is a potential agent of God, right? And yes, God is working through those who hurt, annoy, or anger us too. Doesn't that make you curious? Doesn't that make you want to self-reflect? Being connected in community stretches us. It teaches us and gives us a way to experience God in a fresh way, a way that we could have never imagined. As someone in Bible study on Friday said this week, we might not be responsible for each other's pain, but boy, we sure are respondable to each other's pain. The author of Hebrews reminds us that the day is approaching. Life is short, folks. There is a sense of urgency for us to learn as much as we can in the time that we have. That's why the confusion and the chaos is precisely the time when we need to come together and come together often. What can we learn from our hurt feelings? If we take ourselves out of the center of community and put Christ in the center of our community, how would that provoke love? How would that encourage each other in deeper ways than this church fantasy could provide? Our relationships grow and nurture our souls. That's why we have to stick together. That's why we have to do this work, this vulnerable hard work together. We are in this church thing together. So may the provocateur of bold and gentle love give us the resiliency and the confidence to endure whatever life throws at us. Thus be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The sharing of a common life 
is like to that above. Amen.